It's very good to be here this morning. We appreciate the good audience. We have several that are visiting here because of the holiday, and we're very happy that you've chosen to worship with us today. I hope that the lesson that I've prepared for this morning will be something that will be edifying to you. It's an old uh, topic that we've taught on many times in the church before, but I thought it would be good for our young people to hear this again, and I've been studying a lot on this the last couple of years. And because of that, I've got an overview of this subject that I've never had before, and I hope I can get that across to you this morning. I want to talk about the difference in the covenants. The difference between the law of the Old Testament and the New Testament covenant or law. When we talk about the law... We're talking about the Mosaic Law, the Law of the Lord, the Law of God, the Law of Moses. All of those terms are used interchangeably in the Old Testament. We're talking about the law that Moses delivered to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. God revealed it to him there upon Mount Sinai, and he delivered it unto the people. He was called the mediator of the law. Moses didn't make those things up. He got those things from God. They were the inspired mind of God through Moses to the Jewish people. No person can properly understand the Bible unless they understand when, where, and to whom the law was given. If we don't have a comprehension of the difference in the laws that Moses taught and the laws that Jesus taught, how are we going to ever, ever understand the Bible? And I believe that that problem is responsible for so much difference between religions and churches more than anything else, is a misunderstanding of the topic before us this morning. There's not any denomination that I know of that doesn't take part of the scriptures of the Old Testament as their doctrine. But the problem is they all take something different. There's no standard, there's no way to pick and choose scriptures. And so that leads to mass confusion in the religious world. So what is the answer to that? I hope to get that across to you this morning in our lesson. You know, people will say, well, why not infant baptism? Why not tithing? Why not keep the Sabbath? Why not keep the fast feast days? And a thousand different questions in the religious world today about why not this one or why not that one? Why don't you choose this one? Why do you not choose this one? And there has to be some consistently, come some consistently, consistency. Because God wants us to understand His Word. He said, If any man will do His will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether I speak of myself or of God. He said, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. God's doctrine, whatever it is, can be known. But we've got to be willing to accept what he says about it. If we can understand the difference in the covenants we will understand why hundreds of false doctrines that are in the world today are not true. 
A misunderstanding of the Scriptures by very sincere people is what produces these false doctrines. You know, as we talk about chasing all of those false doctrines, or all of those doctrines, let me just state it that way, chasing all of these doctrines all over the place that people teach out of the Old Testament, infant membership in the covenant, what feast days do we follow? What day do we worship on? Why not just go to the root of the whole thing and say, what is it that's binding on Christians today as authority from God? And if we answer that question, then it'll answer all these other questions at one time. The law was Israel's constitution. They had a theocracy, what people call a rule by God. Their national law and their spiritual law was the very same law. There was no difference. That's not true. We have our Constitution and we have the Bible. The Bible regulates us spiritually. The Constitution regulates us as citizens. I believe this is the single most important subject to understanding the Bible. What do we mean when we use the phrase the law? Or better yet, what did the writers of the Bible mean when they used the phrase the law? In the beginning, the law referred to this much of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was the law to the Jews. That's what they went by. That's kind of hard on a Bible to open it up like that. So when I refer to the law today, I'm going to hold up this little book. And Brother D and Brother Clifford were nice enough to make these for some of the preachers. And they just bound the first five books of the Bible into one little book for study purposes. So when I hold up this book, it's the same thing as holding up the first five books in your Bible. It's the same material. The first five books of the Bible are what constituted the law. Quotations all through the Old Testament quoted these books and said, the law says, or it's written in the law, or what the prophet said. But when it said it's written in the law, what does that mean? That means you go back and you read the law and you'll find this phrase that we're quoting right here, whether it's an apostle in the New Testament or a prophet of the Old Testament. They were referring to the Scriptures. And when we look at those phrases and when we interpret those phrases as they're intended by inspired men, we're going to realize that the law was the first five books, every book, every chapter, every verse made up the law. The law was given at Mount Sinai. In Deuteronomy 5, 1 and 2, is one of the passages that we see. He said that this law was given to Israel. I want to turn over there and read that. Deuteronomy chapter 5.
And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes, the judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. So Moses really distinctly defines this for us. He said, this was not made with the fathers. God did not give this teaching to Abraham. He didn't give it to Adam. He didn't give it to Noah. But he gave it to those of us that are here this day. And he says, hear all, O Israel. Who did he give it to? He gave it to Israel. He never did give it to anybody else. God gave the law to Israel through Moses. If we turn over to the book of Nehemiah, a little bit there before Psalms, Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 13 and 14, very plainly the prophet said, Thou camest down upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. Moses was the mediator. And this says that God came down upon Mount Sinai and made these things known. They were not known previous to this. This is when they began to be taught, was from Mount Sinai on, as they wandered there in the wilderness for 40 years, and then when they went in, and then they conquered the land. These writings are called the book of the law of Moses. They're called the book of the law. They're called the book of the law of God. All of these uh, phrases are used interchangeably. There was only one law and one book given at Mount Sinai. And so the book of, law, uh, book of the law and the book of uh, the covenant and the book of Moses are all the same law. There's just one book and one law. And a lot of times people want to take those phrases and try to make different books out of them as though Moses wrote a whole bunch of books that were different, but they were not. Now there was five individual books within that one book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But bound together there was only one book. That was the book that was lost at one time when they went into captivity. And then when they came back and they look in the house of the Lord, they find the book. And they take the book and they have the king read the book. And they found out how far they'd wandered away from God and they wanted to get back to God. So they went back to the book and they started following that book. But if you'll read back there where that book was found, it's called the book of the law, it's called the book of the law of Moses, and it's called the book of the law of God. Those terms are all used interchangeably. John 1.17, the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If the law was given by Moses, it couldn't have been given before Mount Sinai. Because if it was given by Moses, it was given when Moses wrote it. Genesis, pardon me, Galatians 3 verse 16, the law was 430 years after Abraham. Very plain, inspired statement. That brings us right down to the time of Mount Sinai. So this law was not made known in the beginning. It was made known at Mount Sinai. And that's when the Jews began to follow it. 
the law was given to the nation of Israel and not to any other nation. In Romans 3, verses 1 and 2, What advantage then hath the Jew much unto them? Because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Unto them was given the law. In Romans 9 and verse 4, Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the giving of the law. And so the law was given unto the Jewish nation. That's who it was addressed to in Deuteronomy 5 when it was given. But I want you to notice also Romans 2 and verse 14. The Apostle Paul said unto the Gentiles which have not the law. Why would he make that statement? Because the law was never given to the Gentiles, ever. Not in any dispensation was the law ever given to the Gentiles. In Psalms 147, verse 19 and 20, His judgments unto Israel, He hath not dealt so with any other nation. He never gave that law to the Egyptians. He never gave that law to the Assyrians. He never, he never punished the Egyptians for not keeping the Sabbath. He never punished these other nations for not keeping the feast days and the sacrifices. Because it was never given unto them. Jesus said in Matthew 23, You compass land and sea to make one proselyte, and you make him twofold more the child of hell than you yourselves. Why would he make that statement? Because they didn't proselyte. That law could only be practiced one place. And that was in the land of Israel. That's what really got me to thinking about a lot of this I'm going to present from here on. That's the only place this could be, could be practiced. Thank you. He's not going to give that to the other nations. You know, when Jesus gave the new covenant, we read over here in Matthew 28, He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go teach all nationalities. That's what Jesus said. In Mark 16, He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's not what Moses said. Moses said, Hear, O Israel. Moses said, you Jews are the chosen people of God, and not any other nation is. And that's why God has looked favorably upon you. In the book of Genesis 12, the nation of Israel was promised to Abraham's descendants. And under Joshua's leadership, God gave the nation of Israel Canaan, as, if, as it was later called, or the land of Israel. God drove out their enemies and gave them the land. God promised to preserve them in that land as long as they would follow the law. And when they didn't follow the law, He drove them out of the land. And this happened on at least two occasions. And so it was a conditional promise that He'd given but that law was to one nation only. What gives people authority 
to pick and choose commandments. You know, we're taught in the New Testament that we're not to add to God's Word, we're not take, to take from it. Did you know that in Deuteronomy 4 and verse 2, that's exactly the same commandment that Moses gave to the children of Israel when he gave the law? Thou shalt not add unto the word of the Lord thy God, neither shall you diminish aught from it. And that's stated several times in the law. You don't get to pick and choose God's commands. If a command's been given, it's given and it's in effect till God repeals it. And no man, no group of men, no religious authority can repeal that law. Only God can. And so we need to be very concerned about not just picking and choosing commandments as it pleases us. That is not a thing that is pleasing unto God. Skip the page. Give me just a second here. No, I didn't. The next thing that I want to take a look at is here on the board. This law was in existence from Mount Sinai until Jesus died on the cross, and we'll study more about that tonight in our lesson. It covered this time frame right in here. Now I want you to get in your mind, Israel was this little country at the end of the Mediterranean Sea. It's just about the same size as the Texas Panhandle. That'll give us a mental vision of what we're talking about. That was a whole country. It was for a whole nation of people. And this law governed them. It was a particular law, the law of the Lord, for a particular people, the Jews, for a particular time, the Jewish age, from Sinai to the cross, and it was for a particular land, the land of Canaan. And that was the only place that that law could be practiced. As I said, people want to pick and choose out of the law what they want to follow. So let's just look at a few things real quickly and real briefly. Nobody chooses to go back to the law and practice capital punishment. There's not any church in the world today that says we're going to go out and we're going to stone all the adulterers, we're going to go out and we're going to stone all of the, the uh, homosexuals, we're going to go out and we're going to stone all of the witches. There's not a single religion on the face of the earth today that says that. Well, did God repeal that? Or is it still the law of God? That's one reason it couldn't be practiced all over the world, because other nations were not going to allow them to impose their law on that nation. As Jesus spoke to them about proselyting, he said, you took a Gentile that had no subjection to the law, none whatsoever, no responsibility to the law, and you circumcised him. You don't keep the law. He can't keep the law. And now you've made him twofold more the child of hell than you yourselves. Why couldn't the Gentiles uh, practice that law in another nation? Well, we're going to look at some reasons. 
One reason is the law said you've got to go to Jerusalem three times a year. How many religions did I press that and say, oh yeah, we go to Jerusalem three times a year to worship? That's one of the laws. Did God repeal it? And if so, where did He repeal it? They had a Levitical priesthood. You had to be of the Levitical tribe, the tribe of Levi, to serve in the priesthood. Did you know that God made it impossible for even the Jews themselves to practice the laws of the Old Testament when He destroyed Jerusalem in A.D. 70? The Romans came in and they plowed the ground and they put salt on the earth. They didn't want them to ever build Jerusalem again. They destroyed the genealogies, uh, genealogies of the Jews. And there's not a person on this earth today could prove that he was a Levite if his life depended on it. And so there are no Levitical Jews. And if there's no Levitical priest, then there's no one to offer the sacrifice for sin, and therefore the Jews have no way today to get forgiveness of sin if they practice that religion nor anyone else that will practice that religion. Because there's no priest. Did you know it re that it uh, required a change in God's law by God Himself for Jesus to be a priest? He had to change the law before Jesus could be a priest. Is Jesus your priest? If He's not your priest, you do not have forgiveness of sin. There's no one to make the sacrifices. There's no inheritance for anyone who would claim to be a Jew today because the inheritance was by tribe. I asked a young lady in the mall two or three years ago around Christmas time when we were shopping. She said she was a Jew. And I said, I've always wanted to talk to a Jew. I want to ask you a question. What tribe are you from? And she looked at me like I was from Mars. She had no clue what I was asking her. But the only people that had a right to that land were the people who inherited it by tribe. There were no threats to pluck anybody else out of their land if they didn't keep this law. Except those Jewish people that lived from Sinai to the cross. <clears throat> Let me get a drink of this water. If the law given at Sinai is still in effect today, then you cannot be saved. You can't. It's impossible. If the law that was given at Mount Sinai is still in effect today, then we would trust in the blood of bulls and goats to be saved. Because that's what it taught. That's what it taught to get forgiveness. If the law that was given at Mount Sinai is still in effect today, then you have no priest. But you see, Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and verse 5, we are a royal priesthood, every Christian. 
the writer of Hebrews teaches that Jesus is our great high priest. But I want you to open your Bible up to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 12. And this is a very important passage. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, he's arguing for the priesthood of Christ, the writer is. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. What does that mean? That means it was necessary for God to make a change or else Jesus couldn't come and be our priest. He had to change that law before Jesus could be our high priest. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. He was of the kingly tribe. He wasn't of the tribe of Levi. Let me tell you about some people that were kings in Israel. First of all, let's look at King Isaiah. King Isaiah decided he was king. He could do whatever he wanted to. He went into the temple of the Lord to make a sacrifice. And the priests were trying to stop him physically, and he just watched, marched right on in there. And God struck him with leprosy from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. God didn't want him making a sacrifice. On another occasion, King Saul got tired of waiting on the priest, so he just decided he'd go ahead and make the sacrifice. God rejected him from being king. How important was the priesthood to God? It was extremely important. But if that's still the law today, then there's been no change in the law, and Christ cannot be priest. But chapter 7 and verse 12 of Hebrews says there's been a change in the law. And I looked up that word change to see what it meant, and it means to change from one to another. It don't mean just make a little adjustment. It means to change from one to another. That's what the word means. And so the priesthood has been changed, and if the priesthood has been changed, then the law has been changed. Not in a little adjustment, but one has been repealed and the other has taken its place. God can repeal a law anytime He wants to. He's the one that gave it, He's the one that can repeal it. And the Hebrew writer says there was a necessity. It had to be this way. It couldn't be some other way. It was a necessity to have a change in the law for Jesus to come and be our high priest, to shed His blood for the forgiveness of our sin. And I'm going to tell you today, if we go back to that old law, Hebrews chapter 10 says the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. Never. And so we have the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without blemish and without spot as our high priest today who loved us and gave himself for us. Let's not reject that sacrifice. If Jesus is not our high priest, then we're yet in our sins and without hope in this world.
I'd like to look at another verse of Scripture here and found in Romans, the 10th chapter. Romans chapter 10, at verse number 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. What is the end? You know, we live in little tiny sound bites today, but when I first started watching television, when you got to the end of a program, it always said the end. And then it started giving the names of the characters. We read a book. And what does it say on the last page? It says, the end. There's no more. It's done. It's over. Romans 10 and verse 4 says that Jesus is the end of the law. What does the next phrase say? To everyone that believeth. Jesus is the end of the law. Somebody says, I don't believe that. Well, Paul said Jesus is the end of the law to those that will believe it. His countrymen, the Jews, in his lifetime wouldn't believe it. That didn't make it not true, just because they didn't believe it. So when the Scripture says that Jesus was the end of the law... He's talking about all through here the book of Moses. He's talking about, pardon me, the book of Romans. He's talking about the law of Moses. All through here. And we'll notice some of those scriptures this evening in particular. But do you see? The law had to be changed. Christ was the end of the law. Colossians chapter 2 says that Jesus took the law and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. God repealed that law that He gave to Israel. He had to. The Jews couldn't follow two laws at the same time. They couldn't do that. And so the first one had to be repealed before the second one could take effect. And that's exactly what happened. The end came. And so I want to ask some questions here this morning. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Who saved you? Moses or Jesus? Who answers your prayer? Moses or Jesus? Who forgives your sin? Moses or Jesus? Who will resurrect your body? Moses or Jesus? Who will give you a home in heaven? Moses or Jesus? Who has the words of eternal life? Moses never promised anybody eternal life. He promised them that they would be preserved in their land if they followed his teaching. He never promised them eternal life. 
Who is the mediator of the New Testament? Galatians says Jesus is the mediator of the New Covenant. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to follow Jesus, the mediator of the New Testament. In John 10 and verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. Who did he say I'm going to give eternal life to? Those who follow me. You know, early on, the apostles didn't understand that, and so at the transfiguration there in Matthew chapter 17, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias and Christ, and Peter said, Hey, it's great that we're here. Let's build three churches, one for Moses, one for Elias, and one for Jesus. God wasn't pleased with that at all. What did he say? This is my beloved son. These other men were great men, but they're not my son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. That's what God said. Hear ye him. Jesus said, those that follow me, I'm going to give them eternal life. Let me ask you this morning, if you follow Moses, what are you going to get when this life's over? What are you going to get? The promise of the old covenant was a farm or a vineyard in Israel. So what do we expect to get if we follow Moses today? I'm telling you, Jesus has got better promises, and that's what Hebrews 8, and we'll talk about that a little bit tonight. It's a new covenant established upon better promises, the resurrection, eternal life, and a mansion in heaven. The Jews never had that promise if they kept the covenant. Their only promise from God was that He would preserve them in the land. So I'm going to stop right there in our study this morning. I hope that these words have encouraged you I hope that you'll think about this as you study all through the Bible. Who does this apply to? When did this apply? How can we know? Do we just believe it because Mama said it? Do we just believe it because our elders said it? Or do we believe it because the Bible said it? The Bible said Christ is the end of the law to them that believe. That's what the Bible says. And we'll look at some more of those passages in our study this evening. I hope you've been edified by these things. I hope you've learned some this morning. And I hope we will continue always to study, to search the Scriptures for what they say, not to justify what we've always believed. That's not a good way to study. Let's study the Scriptures to learn what the truth is. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So if you're here this morning and you have a need in your life, Jesus can fix it. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. He said, come unto me. Come to me. I can take away your sin. I can give you a clear conscience. I can give you a mansion in heaven. If you have a need in your life, would you come as we stand and sing?